when you really look at the top CEOs, like the people you want to be like, there are no fat CEOs. And there is a reason. Bill Gates, Jeff Bezos, like Ed Millett, these people are fit as hell. And there's, there's a reason. Um, they're very particular about a lot of their things that they're putting in their body because we know that your brain and gut are connected. So these two are constantly talking, which means that what you put in one is going to affect the other and vice versa. That's why sometimes you go to the bathroom all the time when you're really stressed out. And also why when you eat like horribly, you feel horrible. It's not some grandiose experiment. Like people know this, they know this, but it's like, oh, but I don't like, but I don't want to give this up. And I say, all right, no one's saying you have to, but if you want to achieve X, is that, is a block of cheese more important than becoming mm-hmm. VP of your company? You tell me, I, I can't make that decision for you, but when I say it out loud, that's how stupid it sounds. No, but I love cheese so much. So I don't want to give it up. Well, do you want to be a VP in half the time? Okay. Then give it up. Do you ever feel like you're just tired and you've not had enough energy to get through the tasks that you want? Maybe you don't want have enough energy to play with your kids at the end of the day. Well, Today on the show, we're going to talk to Erica Ballard, and she's going to unpack maybe some of the reasons why that's happening and why diet and sleep and stress and all these things are related and how to achieve more of your potential um, by changing some of those things. So let's jump into the interview with Erica. Well, today on the show, we have a very special guest, um, Erica Ballard, and she brings the energy and she wants you to bring the energy at work too. Right, Erica? I totally do. (laughs) <laughs> so Erica, um, she runs a pretty cool consultancy, which is really all about getting your full potential and um, reaching your full potential. But one of the things that Erica, I love that you do on LinkedIn is you're always talking about like assessing like the why of why you're not, you know, reaching your potential. And you talk a lot about something that people don't talk a lot about, which is how much diet and food. And then I know you talk about sleep a lot, really drive that. So Tell me a little bit about, maybe give the background of your story for people that don't know you. Uh, I'm sure after this, they're going to find you on LinkedIn and then follow you and be just, you know, wrapped up by your charisma. So give us the background of Erica Ballard. <laughs> sure. I just have to say, I love that you are hearing me talk about sleep because I'm like, so many people say to me, how can I get healthy without doing anything? And I'm like, you could sleep. You could literally yeah. sleep. I'm giving you the answer. And they're like, oh, I can't do that. I'm like, you can't do things and you can't not do things. Like, come on, guys. Yeah. Um, so for me, my backstory is probably similar to a lot of people who get into this profession is for most of my life, I hated the way I looked and felt. It was mm-hmm. very personal and it was so confusing to me and so annoying to me because don't give me a problem. I will solve it. And I, and, but I will also always follow the rules as I solve it. And that was yeah. what got me into my problem, into the, mm. you know, the thing we're in now or why I wasn't getting the results because I drank the shakes, I ate the bars. Um, I worked in public health and healthcare. So like I knew like cholesterol guidelines like the back of my hand. And yet I would continue to do what was told and what I told people to do working in public health and healthcare. And I never got the results. And like to speed up the story, essentially I was on the East Coast for a decade. I came back to Indianapolis, which is where I'm from. And I went to this health coaching program, the Institute for Integrative Nutrition, and it really blew my mind because up until that point, I thought about health so allopathically, like treat symptom, you know, there just wasn't looking, wasn't pulling back to like a 30,000 foot view. And when I did that, I started to realize, um, despite 
all of the years of schooling and all of the thousands of dollars I put into like grad programs and things like that, um, that it's actually st stress, sleep, and food that are really the things that are holding us back from getting healthy. And when I did that, I tell people all the time, my life changed in like six months, my pants fit in a year. My mom liked me because I wasn't such a nut job. Right. I like was calm. I could handle things in a whole different demeanor. And I was like, I did that on my own for the most part. Um, mm -hmm. and I want to show people how to do that in a way that's even faster because it was crazy to think through and by my own, like a lot of videos, a lot of hours put in, but like, it's not as complicated as we think. So that's how I got into it because I really didn't like the way I looked and felt. And then when I realized how to get healthy, it wasn't a push or a shove. It was like, I kind of showed up and I was healthy. And yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, it's easier than they've all led us to believe. <laughs> and so I want to share that with people because when you get your time back and your sanity back, you get your power back. So it, it makes no sense not to get your food dialed in for when it comes to work and things of that nature. Why, why have we been sold this bill of goods though? That's like, that's opposite. I mean, it's like, is this a big conspiracy? You got, I mean, you're not wearing like a lead hat, you know, or a, a, a tinfoil hat or anything. I mean, what, what's going on? Like, why, why is, why is it that 80% of it is BS as you're saying, when it comes to these things? Um, Cause I'm a little bit skeptical. I'm not going to lie. But so I want you to convince me and convince any listeners that like, what, what, what is a light bulb moment? Like when you're talking to a client or maybe like, what, what is the things you have to overcome of preconceived notions or, or what to get them over these like mental hurdles? I mean, obviously once you see the results, right? Like if you, if you're saying, Hey, I li you know, listen to your, what you're saying and I'm going to actually execute on it, then they're going to see success and then they're going to, they're going to know. But what are some of the, like, even just like the hurdles you have to get over to get people to kind of buy into that? So it's a lot of things like that's a, it's, there's so much in that question. And I think to answer the first part of it is why do we, why do we believe what we believe? I wouldn't say it's a conspiracy theory, but what I would say is sometimes you need to follow the money. Sometimes you really do. And you have to see that, you know, places like Coca-Cola have spent millions of dollars in the past decades alone to, to push the calorie in calorie out myth so that you drink diet soda and you don't realize that it actually is making you fatter and wanting more sugar, right? Mm -hmm. There's that. Um, I think also there are people who are trying to do really good things that just uh, miss the mark. So when it comes to science, it's all theory, right? None of it's like often, um, it's not like a math equation when you come to health, it's not like input output or you, you do this thing and this thing will happen to you because your body's so complex. And so like not to go too far down the rabbit hole, but essentially we had a heart disease problem in the 1950s. And what happened was we thought that saturated fat was the culprit. And so a lot of science went into proving out this component and it wasn't saturated fat. But at that point we put so much money into it and we were trying to really figure it out that when we got to the point where in like the late seventies, eighties, we started to balloon up. We were like, Oh shit. Like, now we need a different solution because that was caused that, you know, that caused mm. this and how do we get down? And it's just so much wrapped up. And what we realized, right, was we need to just go back to real food before we started worrying about food as saturated fat or calorie or carb. We just ate food and everyone was fine. <laughs> it was when yeah. we started to pull it apart. Um, so that's, that's where we got there. But with all that, that's the biggest issue I run into is we have gotten to a point where we are really trying to make health, um, being able to try to pull out certain parts of health and saying, that's the answer. Like 
this is your superfood. This is your diet. This is your, um, this is your thing that you should do. And what we run into is your body's unique and your body's really smart. So if you did something to hurt it, your body compensates. You don't ask your left leg to compensate yeah. for your right leg, right? It just does it. Same thing happens internally. We just don't see it because it's happening inside of us. So we kind of have to solve one problem to get the, the map to the second problem. And then you got to get the map to the third problem. And then you untangle the whole road. But we feel like that thin people are healthy people. And that's not true. And just losing weight isn't going to solve necessarily a hormonal problem, right? It's a whole, there's all these different pieces that go into it because you're not solving for X, you are redoing a complex computer. Yeah. I, and I think that's really interesting because what I'm hearing you say is that everyone wants uh, one one magic bullet and they want it to be easy and they want it, you know, for lack of a better phrase, they want to take a pill. And and I'm guilty of that too. You know, I can see that. But it's the, the thing that's interesting to me is that um, there's these like several step removed symptoms that you don't necessarily correlate, right? And and sleep is probably an easy one to say, oh yeah, if I got more sleep, but if you're stressed or you like you can't think as straight as you as you maybe you could have, or you're feel like you're going insane, like that that can actually be tied to diet. Like you don't think about that. You're like, okay, kind you you said earlier, I think maybe it was before we started recording the the hierarchy of needs, you know, and how food is at the bottom, um, but we we don't tend to think about that. We tend to like say, oh, I got to go talk to like a therapist or something, you know. <laughs> like, it, and maybe I'm kind of getting off track here, but it's it's interesting to me because I feel like, um, you know, for listeners and stuff that are that are wanting to um, become unstuck, um, can you talk to kind of that and say, you know, kind of how how are people? What are some of the symptoms that you see um, in some of your clients? And then how do you kind of begin to unpack that? Maybe that would be you know, a good, good thing to, to talk about. Yeah. Oh, this is like my favorite thing to talk about. So the one that I'm going to say, and this hurts everyone's feelings when I say it, but here we go, is dairy, right? Most of us, 66% of the population is allergic to dairy. It just wow. It just isn't. Oftentimes we have a lot of inflammation in our body or we're like, oh my God, I use the bathroom all the time. Or, oh my God, I never use the bathroom. And it's like, well, your gut's not working. You're putting in something that's alert, like that your body's physically allergic to. You're causing inflammation. It's ripping apart your gut. And because of that, and you've been doing it forever because your body compensates. So it's like, okay, she's being shoved this thing down her mouth. Like she must be like something terrible has happened. She must be famine. It's the only reason she's eating all this. So your body completely compensates for it, but then you get more inflammation in different areas and then you can't end up eating as many foods as you could. So a lot of times people are allergic to dairy. They eat it all the time because they just love their cheese. Right. Um, and then you can't eat different foods. All of a sudden you can't eat tomatoes or broccoli and that stuff irritates you. And then you start to windle down to smaller and smaller amount of foods that you can actually eat that, is, that doesn't hurt your stomach. But at the end of it, you have one thing that has ir irritated your gut and your body's just compensated. And so a lot of times if you pull out the irritant, you can add back in those foods. It just takes a lot longer, but we don't think about that because we don't think of, we don't think it could be dairy. It couldn't be food that is hurting our body. And I tell people all the time, food is some of the only stuff that gets inside of your body. So if it's not food, what else is it, right? Yeah. Um, and then that goes to the next piece. If it's not food, oftentimes it's stress or sleep or a lack of water. And the stress piece, I love that you said like, 
you know, are, are we as foggy or are we not thinking as straight when we're stressed? And you're not. So when you're stressed out, you're like, hey, I, this woman is running from a bear. This woman is running from a bear. She's going to fight. So what that means is if you're trying to keep, if your body's trying to keep you alive, it tries to ground you into the area around you. So all of your blood goes to your limbs because you might need to hit really hard or you might need to run really fast and you have to feel the bear running after you, right? And mm -hmm. so brain's not going to your brain because you can't think. If you think for two seconds, you are out of, like, you- It's it, done. <laughs> it's done. Like you can't think your body has to take over to keep you alive. And so these are the things that tend to happen a lot, but we don't pull it together with our health. We're like, oh, this is just how I always am. And just because something is common doesn't make it normal. And that's what has been happening a lot with our health. So those are the things that I like, I think people need to think about a lot. And particularly too, if you're doing all the quote unquote right things, but you're not getting results, really do look at your stress and your sleep because those are some of the biggest driver for weight gain, especially since lack of, lack of sleep compounds stress. And we have four times as many cortisol receptors in our stomach than we do anywhere else, which is why you get the gut. Um, mm. so that's, that's a big, those are some of the things that I see all the time, but that we don't often talk about, but I think it's really important. We start talking about it. Yeah. And how do you, like, how do you even go down that road? Like you said, it, you said it yourself, you know, the body is very complex. So there's all these things that could be acting and it could be dairy that's causing like this, then cascading effect, um, that's causing like an avalanche of symptoms, but, and then causing, you know, kind of like follow on symptoms because then you're becoming allergic to other foods. So it's like, when I hear you say that, I'm like, I'm immediately like, I just want an easy answer. You know, give me the sound bite, Erica, like, please, you know, but all joking aside, it's like, where, where do you start? Um, my mind kind of goes to like asking yourself, okay, do I feel more foggy than I did, you know, a certain time period ago, like six months ago, or even, even longer, you know? So you kind of have to get like realization of that, but then you're like, yes. Okay. What do I do? Like, what am I supposed to do then? You know? So that's a really good question. And the reality is it's going to take some time if you want to do it by yourself. And there, there's nothing wrong with that, right? Like I told you, it took me maybe, I would say in total two years to get to the point where I feel really good about all my decisions. And because of that, the way that I started was I just started with myself. I said, and this is with all clients, almost everyone knows when they're allergic to something or like some food is irritating them or they're not getting enough of something. Like if I were to say to you, what's the one thing you could do to improve your health today? Do you have an answer? I, I could probably drink more water. I drink like way too much coffee. I don't put any cream and sugar in it, which is good, but I know that I'm like probably chronically de dehydrated. And everyone's answer is going to be different. Yeah. Um, mine is the same as yours. Like I need to drink more water, but most people will have something else. And I'm always like, start there, go down that rabbit hole because usually you are so much more intuitive than you give yourself credit for. And that's why I love the body because it's usually talking to you. You just have to listen. So start there and then you'll start to just look at it as data. So that's the, the second piece is once you start, whatever it is, wherever it is you start, instead of looking at it like this health is a burden, like look at it as data because the only reason people want to get healthy is to live a better life. So when yeah. people are like, Oh, it's so hard. I'm like, shut up. Like that is not why you are trying. Like 
you're trying to get healthy to hang out with your kids. You're trying to get healthy to like be better at your job. You're trying to get healthy to like take on the world and it's too much. No way. Your dream's so much bigger than this small piece of it. Um, So I would say like start to look at things as data and start to experiment because we all want to take all these tests because we want them to be definitive. But the thing about gut tests, things about sensitivity tests, they're 50-50 shot to start off just in general. And then on top of that, your body will change as you change. So as soon as you go from like a size, I don't know, 12 to size four, the amount of carbs you eat changes. Mm. It just does. And so we have to remember that like what you look like or what's inside of you at a size 16 is going to be different when you're a size four or for men, when you're like a 40 down to 32, right? These things shift and change. And so we start to start to experiment about where we go next and try to follow the trail. And the last thing is, is to get help. Like whether it's, I like it from a doctor perspective or a, a provider perspective, a functional or integrative NP doctor, or if you want to do food, like there's health coaches and there's like cool dietitians and nutritionists that will help you because the way I see it, like I have a friend who was actually helping me um, earlier this week about like cleaning out my closet. Of course I can do it myself. Of course I can put outfits together. Like I can use my eyeballs. I can see these things. I can try things on. But so if you're like, I just want to know what to do and fix these things quickly, ask for what you need yeah. and then be willing to pay the price for that person. Yeah, that's no, true. I mean, the outside perspective is really just valuable in and of itself, much less the expertise that, that person brings, you know? Um, it's ahead. like with a dairy piece, I can just see it. Like when someone is like, oh, this is happening. I'm like, oh, you're allergic to dairy. Oh, you're really stressed out. Like I've seen it so many, like I have so many clients who are allergic to tomatoes. I'm like, oh, this is classic nightshade allergy. And it's just obvious because I love it. I'm in it. Like, and you're one of, you know, 10 clients yeah. at a the time. I'm do you have, do you have your clients like keep a journal while they're working with you or do you, what kind of data you talk about data, you know, how do you, how do you recommend your clients or just people like you said, that are getting started, that they need to be cognizant of the data points that are coming out of them, you know, so to speak. Like, do, do you encourage that or? Yeah. To coming out of them. That's good. Um, so it's yes, but it's not for calories. So when I think about tracking food, I, I think everyone should do it, but I'm not for a calorie perspective for me. And this is what I would recommend for everybody is look at the time you eat, look at what you eat and then how you feel afterwards. So a lot of times we actually end up feeling um, bloated or foggy or tired, but we don't pay attention. And when you have like two to two weeks to three months full of it, it's very obvious to start to see the trend, but you need the data to go back because it's like trying to remember what you ate for lunch two days ago. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I, like, I don't know what I ate for lunch two days ago, unless I really think about it. Well, when I eat salad, (laughs) this is what happens. And if we're not eating, if we're not able to eat raw vegetables appropriately, we gas or bloated. It's like, okay, well, is this a gut issue? Do I have SIBO? Like what is happening here? So you can start to then ask the right people for answers to the question or going on Google being like, I can't eat salad and then picking appropriate resources to get that information from. Yeah. But I like tacos. So even though I feel bad after tacos, (laughs) sorry. Um, so, so the interesting thing you said I like that I was going to come back to is you said um, you, you were talking about it's all data and 
it just made me think about like, it's almost like, you know, it's investing it's data, but it's then the sort of, what do you want to have as a result? And it's almost like what, what came to my mind was like this notion of like compound interest, right? It's like, okay, this is all the stuff you could achieve. Like, this is where you're going to be with this in your IRA or whatever. And this was your, your 401k is going to look like in 30 years, like in the same way. Do you ever do that? Like you ever draw like a graph, like, cause it's, it, I imagine it's huge. You, the, the hard part about health is you can't actually, it's hard to measure the ROI, right? There's no like formula that says you're going to make so much more money because you're healthy or you're going to have so many more ideas. But the reality is you do and ask any, like I say this line and it makes people so mad. Well, here we go. I've already started it. It's like, when you really look at the top CEOs, like the people you want to be like, there are no fat CEOs. And there is a reason. Bill Gates, Jeff Bezos, like Ed Millett, these people are fit as hell. And there's, there's a reason. Um, they're very particular about a lot of their things that they're putting in their body because we know that your brain and gut are connected. So these two are constantly talking, which means that what you put in one is going to affect the other and vice versa. That's why sometimes you go to the bathroom all the time when you're really stressed out. And also why when you eat like horribly, you feel horrible. It's not some grandiose experiment. Like people know this, they know this, but it's like, oh, but I don't like but I don't want to give this up. And I say, all right, no one's saying you have to, but if you want to achieve X, is that is a block of cheese more important than becoming mm -hmm. VP of your company? You tell me, I, I can't make that decision for you, but when I say it out loud, that's how stupid it sounds. No, but I love cheese so much. So I don't want to give it up. Well, do you want to be a VP in half the time? Okay, then give it up. Yeah. And is that, that, that sort of visualization is kind of what you use with a lot of your clients. Like you're saying, here's where you want to go. And this is the path to get there. It's going to take double the time unless you do X, Y, and Z. Well, you look at it like Maslow's hierarchy of needs right at the bottom of the pyramid is psychological. So it goes psychological, safety, relationships, self-esteem, and self-actualization, which I call full potential, right? And at the bottom in psychological is food. So that means that you have to get your food right if you're ever actually going to reach your full potential or self-actualization. And when people start to understand this, they're like, oh, I should probably get this together. The problem, of course, we run into or I run into when you asked earlier about like where do people push back? It's like, well, girl, I do so much stuff. So I'm fine. And I'm like, you're still in second gear. And that's crazy. It, like, it's amazing. You can do that much when you're not at your best. Just imagine what your best looks like, you know? Mm. So tell me about people that are, are maybe are high achievers already um, and maybe they're, they're doing a lot of like working out, say, hey, I do spin class all the time. And how do you unpack that in terms of like what other things? So it's like I, I, I'm just kind of like trying to jump to potential situations where it's like you're working with someone or someone's listening to this and they say, yeah, but I work out all the time. Like, I, you know, I work out three times a week. Like I feel good about that but they're maybe doing things outside of that and they're doing like a pro, you know, whey protein shake after every workout. And that's like totally bogging down their, their, their mental state at work, you know, but Hey, they felt good while they were working out. Um, do you see some of that? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so talk to me about that. <laughs> so that's what I run into. So another thing that I run into is, well, I work out and I'm like, when it comes from a, let's go straight weight loss perspective. It's 80% food, 20% movement. There's so many people who go to Orange Theory five days a week and get no results. That's who comes to me. I only work with high achievers. Like 
they're, they're willing to do all the things, but it's like, I can't move the needle. And it's like, yeah, you can't be in this crazy calorie deficit and expect to move the needle because calories in calories out they're they're related, they're correlated. And if your body thinks you're in starvation mode, it's going to hold on to fat. Duh. Like, of co- like when I say that it's so obvious, but we don't think about it that way. And that's where it's like, we've, we've been taught like math is a formula, calories in calories out, but it's so much more complex than that because the thing that drives your hunger are your hormones. So unless you get your hormones right, then you're never going to get your hunger in check. And then you're not going to be in that fat adaptive state that everyone's been talking about when it comes to ketosis and things like that. Um, but you can create that yourself. You don't have to eat 70% of your diet as food to become fat adaptive. And so back to the movement component, because I went on a tangent is we always go, we always say, well, if I just work out and I'm like, if you worked out and you got the results that you wanted, cool you're doing something right. If you're working out and you're not getting the results that you want and you're feeling tired all the time, guess what? We have a problem. Mm-hmm. And at, at your office, if someone was really good at something and then sucked the majority of the time and then occasionally was really good at something, you'd fire them. Or you'd have a hard sit down and give them points in which they need to improve. Same thing with your health. Um, food matters so much because again, the brain and gut are connected. So you working out is going to help but if you want this thing, which I'm pointing to with my brain to work, you have to get the thing that you put inside of it correct because your mic- the reason why the brain and gut are connected is because your microbiome hosts 70 to 80% of your, 85% of your immunity, 70% of your tonin on top of a bunch of other things. And it's in charge of all the other microbiomes in your body, which are in your eyes, in your throat, on your skin, if you're a female, in your vagina, right? Like these different things. And- Unless we're willing to believe that, we will continue to struggle. Mm. So let's go back to how we get. How, what do we do? <laughs> Sorry. No, I think that's a lot of good stuff. I'm just thinking, like, okay. Practically, what do we do? Yeah, practically, like, I think, you know, what, what would you say to someone that's like, maybe they're not ready to hire you or they're not ready to work with someone? Like, what should they do? What's, what's the program? So I would start with real food. Just start eating real food. And I'm happy to give um, your listeners like a a handout if you want about like what is real food. But the way that I describe it is food your great grandmother would have eaten. So if your great grandmother would have eaten it, start there. And you want to work yourself up to like 85% of your food being real food. But guess what? If you're at 20, get to 25. If you're at 30, get to 35 and stair step it. So make a commitment to yourself over two weeks. So if we're going to do real food, let's say we're eating healthy real food 30% of the time, food our great-grandmother would have eaten. All right, well, I would say, okay, well, what, what can you logic, like what can you actually do without blowing your, like, without, like <laughs> disrupting your entire way of thinking and adding in a lot, my, a lot of decision fatigue? Okay, breakfast. All right, let's eat a healthy breakfast three days a week. That's it. Once you nail that, then layer on. Maybe I'll do it five days or maybe I'll eat a healthy lunch. But you don't have to boil the ocean no one said you have to do that. Just start where you're at and build. But it's really going back to real food. And people get really confused. They're like, well, what's real food? And I'm like, all right. <laughs> you know a cheese that's bad for you. Like, you know that oatmeal from a packet is bad for you. Like, you know that. You might not want to admit it, but you know that. Um, so use, I mean, I, like, use your brain a little bit on this stuff. And stop worrying about fruit because fruit's not your problem. Right. When we start to go down this, they're like, well, can I, you said real food, but a, a, a banana, I'm like, 
A banana doesn't make you fat. Like that's not our issue. Our issue is the fact that you're not eating real food. So real food, that's it. Don't get crazy. Don't get wild about trying to like get the nuances of like, oh my God, should I have buckwheat or should I have brown rice? If you're only eating 30% real food, get to 35. And if that needs to include brown rice to get you there, that's better than the stuff you were eating beforehand. So um, that's where I would start. I would start saying, like I would start, if I was if I was giving advice to someone right off the bat, I would say, start with real food, try to build it up and then start to, once you feel good about that, focus on the quality of your food. Um, because again, it's machinery. So the higher quality stuff you put in, the better you are. And then from there, stress, sleep, and all the other variables. So let's talk about sleep. I think that's good, but I want I do want to talk about sleep a little bit. Um, would you say that's like secondary? I mean, in, or tell me about what advice you would give to someone as it, as it regards to sleep, because there's a lot more talk being that I'm seeing, you know, around sleep these days and, and all of the effects that, that bad sleep have and, you know, cognitive ability and all that. Um, what, what advice would you give in regards to sleep kind of similar to what you just gave around food? So sleep is really important. Um, I think about it like this is sleeping would actually sleeping like back in caveman days actually would get us killed, right? Like if you fell asleep for seven hours, it would kill you. Like you'd get killed if a bear came across you. Mm -hmm. That's how important it is. Your body was like, listen, I know you might die, but I need you to shut down for a little bit. Like when you think about it like that, you're like, oh, dang, like I actually need to get some sleep because this isn't like, this is a long-term survival mechanism which your body is not very good at like putting in place. So this is how important it is. Um, what I would say, if you wanted to sleep better, there's, a, there's two big things I would say. The first is eat your last meal two to three hours before you go to bed. So a lot of times we eat our biggest meal at like eight o'clock and then we try to go to bed around like nine, 10 or, we eat, or we'll eat a snack before we go to bed. No, you want a two to three hour period before you go to bed because then your body's not focused on digestion, digesting and your blood sugar is not going to dip. So you can actually fall asleep and stay asleep. Mm -hmm. The other thing I would say is get off your devices. So often people are eating too late is what you're saying, mm -hmm. but like too, too soon before bed. Mm -hmm. Okay. Or they'll have like a snack. They're like, yeah. Oh, it's just a piece of chocolate. I eat chocolate too. For the record, I love Mason dark chocolate, but I'm not going to eat that two to three hours before my bedtime. So, and you were saying the, your blood, what is your blood sugar doing and what's that, how's that affecting your sleep? If you have that, you know, chocolate bar, you know, right before bed, what's well, dropping. Mm -hmm. So it's dropping. And then when your blood sugar gets too low, your body's like, ah, like something's off, like abort mission, abort mission, abort mission. And then mm -hmm. it wakes you up, right? Yeah. Because it thinks that something's off because there's no reason why you would ever eat that much sugar. Um, before, like when this thing was first created, right. When we became mm -hmm. homeo sapiens, like, yeah we would never need that much. So like something's off and your body's trying to wake you up and alert you. And so we tend to toss and turn. So that's a huge one. And then the other piece is just to get off your devices. Um, and it's, I think it's unrealistic to ask someone to get off their advice two hours before they go to bed. <laughs> I'm with you. Like I'm listen, I get it, but half an hour to an hour isn't crazy. That's actually not an insane ask. Um, so I would do that. And I would also make sure that your phone's on warm mode so a lot of people still have it blasting. And I would oh, say, yeah. Yeah, turn it on to warm mode or um, get some blue blockers. They make some cool ones. They don't have to all be orange like Dave Asprey's, but like nicer blue blockers because – and put on your computer the flux if, it's, if it doesn't have it already because 
your computer screens, your devices, they all mimic sunlight. And when your body sees sunlight, feels it, because it's not just your eyes, it's also like your skin. If it's getting that glare, it will wake, it'll keep you awake. Because it's like, oh my gosh, it's not time to go to bed yet. So the yeah. less you have that, the easier it is to shut down. Gotcha. Good stuff. Is there anything else you want to add, Erica? I'm going to bring this in for a landing here. I think the only thing I would say is if you're looking to get healthy, and I, my guess is you are because everyone I feel like is trying to get healthier, is to figure out why you really want to do it. A lot of times, and I heard this recently and I thought it was brilliant, is like when it comes to New Year's resolutions, and I know we're moving into that time period of like they're trying to fix something like, oh, I want to lose 10 pounds to fit into these jeans or to fix this problem. I would say when you're trying to figure out what you want to do, tie it to something really great. So instead of being like, oh, I like, I'm dead tired um, or I want to lose 10 pounds, it's like, I want to have energy to go after X. I want to have um, the power to do Y. And so when you start to tie that, tie your Y to something much, more, like, much stronger, it allows you to get out of bed, right? Like losing 10 pounds would never get me out of bed. I, <laughs> like, no, like that is 20 pounds, up to 50 pounds. It's, it's cold outside. I live in Indiana. Like I'm not <laughs> getting up in January to lose 50 pounds. I might get out of bed to get after a promotion. I might get after like, get out of bed to make sure that I can play with my new grandbaby coming, you know, coming to the world or my new child. And so if you start to be able to tie that, then giving up a block of cheese isn't as terrible. Cause you're like, can I give up this slice of cheese to be able to hang out with my grandkid until they're 30? Yeah. Yeah. I think I can do that. I forgot to say this episode is sponsored by the American Dairy Society. So we're going to, might have to change that. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> uh, it's all bleeped. It's not the customer. Yeah, it's it's like the entire, the entire interview. Except out. for the sleep part. I think we're still good on that. <laughs> so, well, thank you so much, Erica, for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Of course. Thanks for having me. And thanks most for bringing all the value. Cause I think um, I, I like that you, you had a lot of like kind of initial baby steps, right. To get people started, which I think is important. So so Erica Ballard Health, I believe, is your URL, right? Mm -hmm. And so also on LinkedIn, um, we will link all of that up in the show notes and um, maybe even have a little special something that you're going to give the listeners, right? Like a little yeah, something, something. This podcast is proudly produced by Waypoint. What is Waypoint? Well, if you want to coach your team and not manage them, then Waypoint is worth checking out. Head over to waypointhq.com to learn more or email me directly, mike at waypointhq.com, and I'll demo it for you myself. Thanks for listening.